book of James in chapter 1, we're going to read beginning in verse number 12. We're going to read through verse number 15. Verse number 14 will be my text verse in two words right in the middle of the verse of verse 14. is the title of the message tonight and those two words are drawn away. Drawn away. Verse number 12, the Bible says, it seems like it's a tad loud up here and maybe just the monitors turn it down just a little bit. And uh, everybody can hear me. You hear me in the back. All right. Good, good. Verse number 12, the Bible says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Notice that word because there's another word that's very similar but has a different meaning. I want you to understand tonight. The Bible says, For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say, when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. Now, the word tempted here is different than the word in verse number 12. Temptation, uh, a trial of our faith, and then the word tempted in verse 13 talking about tempted to sin. I'll explain that as I go through the message. The Bible says, For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Heavenly Father, I pray now that you would bless the preaching of your word. As I have asked you so many times, I ask you now again as I come to the time of preaching. I pray your will be accomplished. I pray the purpose of the message would be accomplished tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. This is somewhat of a familiar passage of Scripture, and we would classify this passage as a warning against sin and temptation. And certainly that is a correct description of what the passage is. However, there's a small phrase or two words that I've pointed out tonight that could uh, be much more important than initially uh, it appears. I want you to notice in verse number 14 the words drawn away. These words are couched in the midst of a major instruction given to us as saved children of God. I'd like to walk through this passage again and be sure that we understand the simple instruction and give you an illustration and then application for the message tonight. Verse number 12, Blessed is a man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, uh, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. The word temptation here means a testing of our faith. Illustration. Abraham was promised to have a son and that he would be the father of a nation, not just of a family, but the father of a nation. Years passed and that promise had not yet been fulfilled. You know the story of Abraham and Sarah when it came to the place that it was impossible for them to have a son. God gave them a son. 
Uh, that is a picture of God's grace. It's impossible for you and I uh, to be born into the family of God and it must be the supernatural work of God for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. However, as Isaac began to grow, God wanted to test the faith of Abraham. He did not tempt him to sin. Uh, he did not tempt his lust, but he was testing his faith. And he said, Abraham, I want you to take your son Isaac, and I want you to go to the mountain of Moriah. I want you to build an altar there, and I want you to offer Isaac as a burnt sacrifice to me. The truth is, God did not want Isaac he wanted to know that he had Abraham. It was a testing of his faith. You know that he built the altar. He put Isaac on the altar. He took the knife uh, from its sheath. He raised the knife to take the life of Isaac, his son, when God stopped him. You know the story. And there was a ram caught in the thicket, and the ram was uh, uh, used in the place of Isaac as a burnt sacrifice. Now, the Bible says... All of us will face this type of trial or this testing of our faith. This testing of faith, please get the statement, was a preparation for the will of God and for the work of God in the life of Abraham uh, that uh, he would become the father of the great nation. Thank the Lord for the faith of Abraham. Now, everyone, before they do something difficult, they have a time of preparation. They have a time of the trying of their strength. For example, we don't send soldiers into battle before we send them to boot camp and prepare them for what they would face in battle. Uh, it would be like practice drills on a football field. Uh, you don't want to go into a football game not knowing how to play or not knowing uh, how to respond, how to play defense or offense. And so you go through a variety of drills and over and over and over and you run those uh, uh, puke drills. How many of you ever run a puke drill before? How many of you ever ran one but you didn't puke? Uh, you had a sissy coach. But anyway, uh, you, you ran those and you, you would go as hard as you could go and when you think you couldn't go any further, the coach would put you just a little further. He wasn't trying to hurt you. He's trying to prepare you for the game so you could win. That was a testing of your strength. That was a testing of your agility. It was a testing of your ability. Bible college is much like preparation for uh, the army. It's boot camp for serving God. We come to Bible college, we not only learn instruction from the Word of God, but our faith is tested. We go through times of difficulty, and yet Bible college students, it's not an easy thing to attend and go through Bible college. I mean, you go to class all day, and then you work in the evening until late at night. You get a few hours sleep. You have study. You have ministry. Some fellows get a date. Uh, you have dating, you have uh, activities, you have a lot of things to do. It's a busy schedule and it's a boot camp and it prepares you for ministry. It helps you to understand. You learn how to pray, you learn how to walk with God. Uh, you learn how to get a hold of God. You realize that there is a God in heaven that will hear you and will answer your prayers as Brother Broadus has preached. Now the Bible says uh, those that go through that temptation or 
the trial of their faith, they receive a crown of life. They are promoted. They are graduated. They receive a trophy. And so we have that and we face that in our life. And then the Bible goes to another form of testing, and it is a temptation, and it appeals to our flesh. There is a testing or there is a tempting to sin. Now, God does not tempt us to sin, uh, but the devil, sin, and Satan, uh, they work on our flesh to pull us away, and they use our lust to cause us uh, to be tempted to go out into sin. Temptations on one hand are trials to prepare us. The tempting of sin and self are meant of the devil to destroy us. On one side, God is working on us to make us stronger. On the other side, the devil is working on us to destroy us, to keep us from doing for what from uh, keep us from doing uh, for what God is preparing us to do. I make sure make sure you get that. You ever feel like that you are in a tug of war and you're the rope? That's exactly what's going on in this passage of Scripture right here. Uh, let, me, let me show you something. Come right up here. Right here. Both of you. And you too. Right up here. Come right up here and stand behind me. All right. You ever played tug of war before? Huh? You ever played tug of war before? You ever played tug of war before? Have you ever been the rope? Never been the rope? All right, we'll let you be the rope. You've never been the rope before. You get to be the rope. All right? You stand behind me. Now... Uh, your object is to pull him in that direction. Your object is to hold him where he is. All right? All right. Now, don't, don't go until I tell you to go. Are you ready? You know what I got for Christmas when I was, uh, uh, when I was a boy? Stretch Armstrong. <laughs> Anybody ever had a Stretch Armstrong before? You haven't? You've never seen one? Well, you're going to see one in just a few minutes. <laughs> and so what happens on one side, God is working on us. Get a hold of the rope there. He's working on us to hold us here. On this side, the devil is working on us to pull us away, to keep us from doing what God wants us to do. Actually, what the devil wants to do, he wants to destroy your life. Let me show you how it works. All right? When I say three, go. Now, I never did pull on a rope with one hand. Don't hurt him. Kill him, but don't hurt him, all right? Funerals are cheaper than surgery. You ready? All right. Here's what happens. Now, the devil is going to try to pull him and destroy him, all right? Go ahead. But wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, keep going, devil. But God doesn't want him, and God's holding him here. All right, hold it just a minute. You did sort of look like Stretch Armstrong there for a minute. <laughs> now, 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 God is, God is testing me. God is strengthening me because of a work that he wants me to do. The devil wants to destroy me, and so he wants to take me out into sin. Now, these temptations that we all face, all of us, all of us, children, teenagers, youth pastors, pastors, grandpas, grandmas, everybody faces temptation. Let me tell you why. 
The word lust in the Bible means any kind of desire. It's not necessarily just sexual passion. The normal desires of life, now you have to think with me right here, the normal desires of life were given to us by God in our nature, and they are of themselves not sinful. God's given us the desires of our nature and of themselves they are not sinful. In fact, without these desires, we could not function, we could not live. Unless we felt hunger and thirst, we would never eat and drink and we would die. Now, from the looks of you, we're all doing pretty good. We have that nature. In fact, uh, when you start eating pizza, I believe that pizza was left over from work three weeks ago. But anyway, uh, when, if we didn't have that natural desire to eat and to drink, we would die. Without fatigue, the body would never rest and would eventually wear out. Physical attraction between a male and female is a normal desire. Without it, the human, race, the human race would not continue. It is when we satisfy these desires outside the will of God when we get into trouble. For example, eating is normal, but gluttony is sin. Sleep is normal, but laziness is sin. Marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. The fundamental desire of life is within us and God gave that to us, but he gave us a book and said, now I want you to understand, you can enjoy all of these things, but I want you to enjoy them within the boundaries. Now, now, what happens is Satan adds a deception to our natural desires. As I read these verses here, uh, if you look in verse number uh, 14, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Notice that word enticed. You see, he adds a deception to our natural desires, attempting to get us to go outside the boundary which causes us to be drawn away. Causes us to be drawn away. Come on, help me. Uh, causes us to be drawn away. That's, and that's what the devil does. And, and, and God can't hold us if we, if we give in to those enticements. Now, an enticement, it's like bait on a hook. It is, uh, it, 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 it is an enticement that causes us to want to have what God said we could have, but outside the boundaries. And the devil sets up traps. He sets bait to get us to go outside and to be drawn away. Samson was enticed. Uh, and he was drawn away and his life was destroyed. Was he destroyed because he got married? No. He went outside the boundaries and he was enticed by the devil. His daddy said, no, son, stay here. You can marry a girl, but you have to marry a girl of your own kind. You don't, you don't, you don't want a girl from down there. But over here, the devil said, all those girls over there are ugly. All those girls over there, they're not like this girl over here. Look how she's dressed. Boy, oh boy, uh, look uh, how she behaves. Uh, look, are you going to help me? And, uh, 
I thought you were supposed to do this, not me. I'm wore out. You're going to have to preach the sermon and I'll do this. Uh, and, so, uh, and so Samson goes over here. He's drawn away and what happens? His eyes are taken out. The prodigal son was enticed. He was drawn away and his inheritance was wasted. Lot was enticed by the things of Sodom. His family and his life was destroyed. Now, give me your attention again. Let's start all over right here. If I only preached tonight this part of the message and said, don't allow something that is good and right to be used as a, uh, to be used of the devil uh, for, to entice you and pull you out of the will of God and destroy your life, it would be worth you hearing the message. If I said, don't, don't let the devil pull you over here into drugs and destroy your life. Don't, if I said, don't let the devil pull you over here into alcohol and destroy your life, it'd be worth you hearing the sermon. I'll stop while somebody says amen. I said, it would be worth you hearing the sermon if the only thing I said, don't let immorality pull you out here and destroy your life. I know a young man that sat in this youth conference, and you know what he did? He did very well on the trial of his faith. He did very well on the trial of his faith, but he kept going outside the boundaries on the moral issue. He went outside the boundaries on other issues, and tonight he wished he could be here, but he's in prison tonight. Now, one of the responsibilities I have and your preacher has is to say, look, Everything God has, he wants you to enjoy, but enjoy it in your place. Don't be drawn away. Don't be taken out of the boundary. As he preached, that's ungodly over there, and that will destroy you. That will bring destruction to your life. But that's not the purpose of my message. The purpose of my message is to say, what are we drawn away from? What are we drawn away from? Let's say he's drawn away and he's over here. He's away from the will of God. What's he drawn away from? I appreciated the preaching that I heard that warned me about the sin. I appreciate the warnings against the, uh, the, the, the music. And, and you know, all music has an attitude. All music has an attitude. I don't have to look at what music you're listening to. I can just, I can just know by the attitude you have what kind of music you're listening to. Now, I appreciate that kind of mess, that kind of preaching, and we need that. And I heard that growing up. But let me tell you what appealed to me. If I stay in the will of God... God can use me. If I stay in the will of God, there's a work God can use me to do. Now, I don't want you to be drawn away and destroyed, but I want you to understand tonight, I do not know of a time when there is such a need in America for pastors for churches, pastoral staff for churches, churches 
that towns that do not have churches and countries that do not have missionaries and people that have never heard the gospel. There has never been a time, there has never been a time as there is tonight for a need for folks to give their life for full-time service to serve God and do a work for God. Folks think, well, I'm just going to go over here for a little while, but I'm coming back. Can I tell you something? While you're drawn away, the opportunities that you have to serve God, they're being wasted. And, uh, and, and while we pass the trial of our faith, we're being drawn away by these sins. And yes, I preach against the sin. I don't want you to be destroyed. I don't want you to go to jail. I don't want you to go to prison. I don't want to preach funerals of 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds. I don't want to do that. I want you to live right to keep that from happening. But that's not the only reason. In fact, it's not the main reason. The main reason I don't want you to be drawn away is somebody's got to serve God. Somebody's got to shine the light of the gospel. Somebody has to be the salt and light for the earth. Satan is not just trying to draw you away into sin. He's trying to keep you from doing a mighty thing. Work for God. I heard of a young man just a few years ago who was a tremendous baseball player. Let's get back over here in the will of God. A tremendous baseball player. He was a pitcher. He was a very poor young man. He lived in a very, very poor area. His family was poor. He received a scholarship to play college baseball and he was really good. In fact, he was so good that a Major League Baseball team came and they offered him an opportunity to play professional baseball. Because of the attention he received as a good baseball player, the coach was working him over here, putting him through the drills, making him a better athlete. But the devil was over here saying... Man, these girls you can have you never had before. There's fun you can have like you never had before. Man, you don't have to live like them crazy folks. Go to all those youth conferences our square. Come on, you can enjoy life for a while. It wasn't that he was just drawn away. He missed the opportunity to play Major League Baseball. He forfeited his opportunity because he didn't stay in his place. Now, I'm going to tell you something more important than playing baseball tonight. We need preachers of the gospel. We, 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 we need bus captains and we need youth pastors and we need laymen. We need laymen of God that will teach in a Sunday school class and we need our churches filled with laymen. Churches are not strong because of strong preachers. Churches are strong because of laymen that love God and walk with God and know the Word of God. He may not call you to be a preacher, but I'll tell you wherever you are, whether you're a layman, a preacher, a missionary, whatever, He'll call you to be a godly man and a godly woman. You say, well, it's not going to matter. I'm not going to be a preacher. It does matter. We need laymen who will not be drawn away because we don't have time for you to be out of your place. You've got to be in your place so God can use you. Can I give you a silly illustration? When I was a boy, there was two things I liked to watch on television. Now, my father knew Lester Olaf. And he knew him so well, we didn't have a television in our house. 
Now, we never did drink carrot juice, but it got pretty close to that. And I'd go to my grandmother's house, and there's two things I like to watch. I like to watch Kentucky basketball. And I like to watch my grandmother watch wrestling. <laughs> now, my grandmother was a, was a godly lady, and she, she, she never cut her hair. Her hair was long, but she weren't braided and in a bun. Always weren't braided in a bun, except during Kentucky basketball and wrestling. <laughs> and it would fall out. Now, 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 you know how that crazy stuff worked. I mean, those two Russians would come in, that big Russian flag. My grandma would get so mad, she would say, I don't even know why they let those guys in here. I get so mad when they come, if they'd let me in that ring. My, grand my, my grandmother was five foot two. <laughs> she didn't weigh 125 pounds. She said, if I could get in there, I'd show them. that I, I, I'd gouge their eyes out if I could get in there. That's what she said. <laughs> and you know what they'd do? They'd be two good guys. They'd be American guys. And one of them would distract the referee while the other one's over here and they're beating these guys to death. And my grandmother's about to have a heart attack. Oh, no, watch him. Don't, don't, don't look. Uh, come on, referee. He's killing him. He's killing him. Look over here. Don't look over there. And, boy, she would get all fired up about that wrestling. Can I tell you what the devil wants to do? He wants to get you over here and beat you to death. And there's nobody to drive the bus. There's nobody to take the place of the Sunday school teacher. And there are churches that don't have pastors tonight. And, and there's towns that don't have churches. And there are missionaries that don't have, uh, that, that are their mission fields that don't have missionaries because too many have been drawn away. Uh, they, uh, look, you can have everything that's enjoyable in life. God doesn't keep us from enjoying anything. We just enjoy it within the boundaries that God has established. And if you enjoy those things in the boundaries that God uh, has established, you can then give your life to serve God and make a difference. My father faced a trial of his faith. He left the Kroger Company to plant a church in 1972. He also overcame the temptations of the flesh and the devil and he built a church in the mountains of southeast Kentucky in the 1970s. From that, now my father died at the age of 40. My mother's here tonight. My mother's been a widow since age 39. She's worked here at the church these nearly 30 years I've been here. My brother Chris is here tonight. He's retired from the Kentucky State Police. He's a pastor in southeast Kentucky. He's a state representative. He just came from Frankfurt where he's had meetings today. Our other brother David is here. He serves and works in security in our church. Can I tell you something? You're here tonight. Look at me. Listen. You're here tonight because of a man gave his life to serve God. He overcame the temptations of the, of the flesh and of sin. He passed the trial of his faith. He gave up the things that the world had and he followed God by faith and because of that, you understand, we've now been able to see from our church and college 45 new churches start. 
You understand that just from one man. You see, the devil, he doesn't just want you to bring you over here to have a good time. He doesn't even want you to just bring you over here to destroy your life. He wants to keep you out of the will of God. He wants to keep you from doing a work for God. And my desire and prayer to God this week is that you would say, when the trials of my faith come, come back over here. When the trials of my faith come and God is testing my faith and I'm going through the drills and I'm practicing and it's, a, it's not an easy thing to stay with the schedule and do everything I'm supposed to do, but I'm going to pass the trial of my faith. And when over here the devil pulls on the lust of my flesh, I have to say, no, wait a minute. I've got to wait and stay in the boundaries. I've got to do what God said to do. I can have a wife, but I want the one that God wants me to have. I I can have all of the things of the blessings of God, but I can have them according to God's will. Stay in your place. You never know what God will do with your life. Oh, I wish I could convince you tonight. I am absolutely one of the most simple men you've ever met and seen. I'm telling you, growing up in the mountains of southeast Kentucky, but I did exactly what the preacher preached tonight. I began to seek the face of God and said, God, I just want to serve you. I, I, I'm not a great preacher. I'm not a, I don't have the ability to deliver a great sermon, but can I tell you something tonight? I've got to know God in a special way and God has blessed the work of my hands and God has blessed our church because of men and women that hunger to know God can I tell you something you and I can make a difference in America we can make a difference you're more important than the politicians in Washington I heard a fellow say yesterday he said, if we lose our freedom to preach the gospel, we're finished. Now, wait just a minute. I'm going to cross you on that. Christianity doesn't have to have freedom to prosper. In fact, the biggest hindrance is there's too many blessings and opportunities. The biggest hindrance we face is that you can go make money and you can go build a nice house and you can drive any car you want and I'm not against a nice house, I'm not against a nice car, but somebody's got to say, I want to give my life to make a difference for Christ. I want to make a difference for folks being saved. I want to make a difference for folks living a good life that's pleasing to God. Now I want to tell you something. Christianity may prosper better under Bernie Sanders. You say, oh no, preacher, don't say that. It's a shame when that would bring more conviction than to say that there are towns without churches and churches without pastors. They put John on the island of Patmos. We'll stop that preacher. We're still hearing him preach. We'll put Paul in prison. We'll take his life. We'll stop that preacher. We're still hearing him preach. Let me tell you something tonight. I enjoy the freedom that we have. I'm thankful for it. I met with the president. I spent three and a half hours with him. I rode in the car with him. I told him thank you for three things. I told him thank you for being a friend to Israel and proving that by moving the embassy to Jerusalem. I told him second of all, thank you for appointing the conservative judges that you have. I said, third of all, thank you for standing for the sanctity of life. 
But dear friend, listen to me. We're not dependent on him. America is dependent on the righteousness of God's people. And sin that wants to pull you away, he doesn't just want to show you a good time. He fears a praying man. Satan fears a preaching man. Satan fears a man that knows God because that man can change a nation. Stand with me tonight. Do you feel like that you're in a tug of war and you're the rope tonight? Do you feel like on one side the preacher's always saying, come on, son, read your Bible. Come on, son, be faithful in prayer. Come on, son, stay faithful. I know you're having a hard time, but don't quit. And on the other side, the devil has a hold of you and he's pulling you, trying to get you to come into the world. And tonight you're confused. You feel like I'm just being pulled apart. I've explained to you tonight what's going on. Stay in your place. Don't you be drawn away. Stay in your place. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Heavenly Father, I pray that tonight you'd help us to understand that we must stay in our place. Joseph, Lord, stayed in his place, and when he did, you used him to save a nation. When David stayed in his place, you used him to kill the giant. When Daniel stayed in his place, though the trial of his faith put him in the lion's den, his testimony was heard throughout the world. God help us tonight. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let me ask you a question. Are you seeking God personally? Perhaps you need to find a place at this altar right now and say, I'm going to seek until I find a personal relationship with God. I'm not talking about just being saved. I'm talking about in fellowship. I'm talking about in a daily relationship. How about it tonight? Do you need to find a place at this altar and say, Lord, I need to get to know you. Do you feel like you're in a tug of war? Did you come to youth conference like William Davis went to youth conference 20 years ago and said, I'm not going to let them people strong arm me into serving God. And he said, I felt like I was in tug of war and I was a rope. Can I tell you tonight, we need young men and young ladies to say I'm going to stand in my place that I can be used of God. Father, bless the invitation. I pray that there'd be a hunger again for our nation to come back to you. God, give us some pastors, some laymen, some people of God that will seek your face. Bless our invitation in Jesus' name.